Welcome to the Boss Podcast. This podcast provides today's sellers with sales tactics that will help them to reach their goals. Your host, Mark McGinnis, brings you diverse guests, high-quality discussion, and valuable insights on every single show. Mark is the author of Tactical Pipeline Growth, as well as an in-demand sales trainer and coach for B2B companies all over the world. If you want to be better at outbound sales, you're definitely in the right place. Now let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the Boss Podcast. Today we explore the acceleration of B2B digital buying and what it means for you and me as a sales professional today. Let me ask you, do you think you're ready for the new reality of B2B selling? Because Adam Thorpe says selling in 2022 and beyond will be very different to the B2B selling situations of 2020 and 2021. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you being replaced? Are you at risk of being replaced by Amazon's B2B platform? So Adam runs a sales strategy company that helps businesses to win new business and grow their business. Business is called Julian Midwinter and Associates, and he's the CEO. And some of the key points that we cover in this chat is why B2B is becoming more and more like B2C. What skill sets do we need as sellers going forward to thrive in this new digitally changed B2B buying situation? What will the buying journey likely look like? Uh, it even includes an example of where the automation of sales process in an enterprise customer has gone a touch too far and the impacts of that. If you expect to be a viable seller tomorrow in 2022, there's no doubt you need to make some changes. Adam's take on the future of B2B selling is intriguing. If you're into the latest sales tactics and want to get the best sales resources you can find, why not join over a 1,000 sellers on my VIP sales mail? Every two weeks, I send out a short email highlighting the very best tactics and ideas that I've found. To get access to that, simply jump across to markmc.co and sign up right there in the front page. There's no spam, no BS, just great sales value. But now let's jump across to hear Adam's take on the future of B2B selling. Adam, welcome to the Boss Podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. Fantastic to have you on. Thanks for agreeing to come on to chat. Really keen to have you on today. Got some great things to cover, but just to get some context for our listeners, Adam, you're a long-time sales professional. Currently, you're the CEO of a company called Julian Midwinter. Previously, you were the managing director for Huthwaite, which is a really well-known international sales training and sales capability firm. You're an expert in sales strategy and, and sales transformation, sales operations. Have I missed anything out there? No, you covered it very well. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? And obviously, you're the CEO, so you're running a very big, busy business, but what Julian Midwinter does and how that fits into the sales landscape? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, JMA is a specialist sales performance consulting group. We focus on two areas, what we call win and grow. Win is all about strategic pursuits, major bid management. We've got a, a deep team with vast experience in strategic pursuit management. And the other side of the business that grows, the sales transformation. So this is where we brought into organizations to look under the bonnet, look at the constraints look at ways that we can improve the sales process, the sales journey, but more importantly, the buyer, the buying process. You know, how do we make it easier to sell ourselves, but how do we make it easy for our customers to buy? 
So they're the two lenses that we always look at and we look at the constraints that get in the way there and have a very particular focus on the customer with what we do. What sort of organisations do you help? Like is it, you know, publicly listed, large, tech, small? What do your customers look like? It's a broad set actually, Mark. We're across sectors and across the globe. We've run projects for multi-billion dollar companies that have taken two to three years in large-scale sales transformation, 700 to 1,000 sellers, all the way down to you know SaaS startups who literally don't have any business development or sales team but want to scale and want to look at it, how they're going to do it, what's the model they need to take to market. So some of our projects, as I said, will go for years, some will go for months. It's not so much about the, you know, the size or the sector. It's really around the challenge. And you know, most organizations today will often just say, look, we've got to get better at selling. We've got to get better at our go-to-market. You come in and have a look and see how we can apply that and what that will look like and how that will change things over time. So you know, we've got uh, logistics companies that we've, we've got projects for, SAS programs, We've got education uh, across the board, a lot of professional services, uh, really comp- yeah, particularly where there's a complex sale. We don't operate in B2C. We are a, a B2B specialist and where there's tends to be more complex selling rather than you know a quick subscription type model. Yeah, okay. That's good to know. Off the back of all this transformation work that you're doing with all these organisations, you believe that we're seeing some significant changes in the way that the B2B market buyer, if you like, is is dragging us as sales professionals. And you think we're about to hit a bit of a pivot point in relation to digital selling, digital buying. And when I first talked to you, I, I thought it's a bit like B2B is becoming a bit more like B2C. Is that sort of where your, your mindset is now? Oh, look, uh, it's not just my mindset. You know, there's a, a number of studies out there at the moment and, you know, some of those I hope you'll be able to share with your listeners some of the things that we've pulled together on this. It's, you know, very much the that B2C approach is very much now in B2B. And uh, I think we're past the pivot point, Mark. I, I think it's actually well and truly we're in it. And I think it got accelerated through the pandemic. There's no doubt about it that this changed the way that, buyers and sellers interacted and they also from a buying point of view started to see how efficient this can actually be through digital channels and these can be you know from a, a whole range of you, know, you look at it from an omni-channel point of view some of these may be we're doing face-to-face on zoom or it could be a a seller guided journey so you know it's an interaction maybe on email and they're directed to e-commerce platform or it can be just straight e-commerce and I think you've only got to look at, you know, some of the markets that are leading in this at the moment and some of the customers that are that are driving this. Like in the US at the moment, over 25% of B2B purchases are done on e-commerce platforms. So it's no no seller interaction at all. It's just straight e-commerce. They you know, Amazon is probably one of the biggest B2B platforms now. They've got a separate B2B platform. And they I think you know last year was about ten billion dollars in annual sales. They've got like two million customers on there and and over two hundred thousand sales organizations. And some industries in particular, particularly automotive, is one of the early adopters. And you know, a lot of the those types of transactions are now done on through digital e-commerce. Yeah, you know, just also locally we have a B two B e-commerce association here in Australia. You know, which are heavily subscribed, big membership, because this is a, a growing area. 
Yeah. So there's no doubt that I can see that the B2B buyer prefers to be buying in a blended method. So you, you call it omni-channel, but turning up and knocking on someone's door to show them your wares or your, you know, your brochure, that sort of stuff doesn't really happen anymore. But you know, so you're talking about people buying cars in B2B, automotive industry in B2B. You know, we all know that story about you can buy a Tesla online, but that's B2C. So what does that sort of B2B look like in those types of examples? I mean, are they just buying you know, $9 a month worth of software? Is, is that what you mean? Or is it, you know, proper transactions? <laughs> proper transactions. So this could be, you know, Ford buying components for their cars that they're manufacturing, that they're building, doing it through digital e-commerce platforms. So they're not needing to interact with salespeople. They're going, okay, well, we need, you know, 100 headlights, whatever it might be, and, you know, make up numbers. But, you know, other repair, you know, the big, big repair programs that go on in the US, all the, the parts and components are now, you know, this is just one industry that seems to be leading the way, is all done through digital platforms rather than, you know, traditional tellers. Right. So in the olden days, like 2019, you'd turn up with your headlights. Let's use the headlights as an example, right? So we would think you'd turn up with the headlights to the Ford factory and we'd speak to the guy in purchasing, headlight purchasing at Ford, show him our range of headlights. They do a bit of testing and, and, you know, there'd be that face-to-face interaction. And what you're suggesting now is it's much more like a B2C shopping cart where people are doing some version of going online and selecting the products that way. Is that, is that That's ex- exactly right. You can do get all the product comparisons, everything else. But also, you know, from these companies that are interacting with, and, you know, Ford, I'm just using Ford as an example, you know, the suppliers have got all the specifications that Ford has. So the, the only products that Ford will be seeing are those that meet their specifications that they require. And this is where the purchasing side of things is actually getting more efficient. And this is where this, you know, particularly the e-commerce platforms make selling more efficient, and but it also makes purchasing more efficient because these platforms that these guys are using have all their specifications built into it. So all they're seeing and all they're being sold is basically things that actually meet their specifications. And I think this is where we're just on the, the start of this journey, but where there's this alignment of buying efficiency, selling efficiency is where we're going to see a, some pretty significant change because your product, if it doesn't meet specifications, is not going to appear in front of a particular client. And it's the same when you, know, you and I would get on an, an Amazon platform or shop. Shopify, whatever, you'd put in some basic specifications and you would get a certain number of things that pop up. Yes, there'll be some paid ads and other bits and pieces, but generally you're, you're getting a narrowed down view of what you want. You can certainly go broad, wide, but you know, it's, it's helping you align. And then, of course, your preferences are mapped. The AI in the platform, your preferences are mapped and then you start getting fed exactly what you would normally look at, things that you're offering buying online and then of course that moves into all types of platforms on your phone, iPads and everything else. Suddenly you're just getting fed everything that you uh, based on your clicking preferences. So it's interesting times. There's definitely, you know, people that still want that personal interaction. And this is where I think, you know, this hybrid sales model and the omni channel is a really important thing for organizations to to understand and start to think of what what does that actually mean for us and what do we need to look like to be able to meet the buyer where they want to be met. But two questions that come up straight away. So how quickly is this happening or how quickly do we need to adjust? And then, you know, secondly, 
When you say omni-channel, what are the typical channels, just so that everyone's absolutely got that in their brain? Yeah, look, so there's the traditional model, which is the face-to-face. So, you know, I outreach, phone call, meeting, coffee catch-up, whatever it might be. Now, that could have come through a marketing-generated lead. It could have come through outbound calling through an inside sales team, but it's more a personal interaction and then that could be handed to business development person or a sales engineer or whoever it might be and so on. So there's that personal, this is the way this is sold is from what we say contact contract is all done face-to-face or in person and could be still digital through Zoom as we're with at the moment through lockdowns or if it's done remotely, but it's still that person-to-person interaction. Some changes there, obviously, with you know not being able to get in front of clients, in front of customer, in front of the buyer all the time. Now in a you know you know face to face live scenario, it's done through Zoom and through other methods. You know there's there's a whole different subject there and topic around how that you know how you get to be as effective as you can in that type of environment. And then there's the you know the the next type of channel molds into. You know, it's almost like a self-guided sales model. So the client may ring up and say, look, I'm interested in this, and the salesperson goes, terrific. What I'm going to do is send you a link to our website, which is going to take you through our product. There's going to be a demo there, et cetera, and then I'll check on you and then we'll move you through the basically moving you through the, the sales cycle. So it's you know, self-guided. It's not all done by face-to-face interaction or personal interaction but there's digital interaction as well. We're seeing a lot of this now coming up. We're seeing a lot of this self-guided model appearing as big organisations are starting to transition their clients into a more fully digital e-commerce transaction. And I'll give a couple of examples where that's worked and where it hasn't worked well, uh, particularly at the moment in this COVID environment. And then you move into that full no sales interaction at all. It is a marketing generated lead. It goes through, you know, that client is then sent a whole bunch of information, that potential buyer sent sent a whole bunch of information. And they, you know, there might be a little bit of a chat bot that's going on. However, they then said, you know, now you need to fill out this and then we'll do this and then you do sign here and then we'll send you the product and off you go, you pay the money and off you go. Um so that's at full digital. So that's the I mean, there's many variations within those three, but they're the three core, you know, omni-channel that when we talk about omni-channel, they're the three core buying journeys that you, you'd look at. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're in a business that just sells, you know, nuts and bolts or widgets or whether you're selling complex, you know, audits or big outsourced transformations, digital transformations, services, whatever it is. There's still these elements in here. There's different cha- there's different methods that your buyers want to use, and this is where it becomes absolutely critical for those that are listening. They're going, okay, what does it mean for me? The easiest, the most important point to start with is, what is my customer's journey? What does the buying journey actually look like? You're only going to know that by talking to them and understanding how they want to go. You know, how do they want to? How do they currently purchase from you? And how do they want to purchase from you? How do they want to interact? What's going to be important? And that's where you start. You make sure you are 
developing the right type of model for the client base that you have. Now, last year in the pandemic, we saw a couple of very large service organisations for a whole range of reasons. They no longer had massive call centres at their disposal that they would be using because in some cases they were uh, they were offshore and these were hit harder by the pandemic and therefore they couldn't you know people couldn't access work and so forth and they quickly rushed to bot guided buying journeys and helping journey online and one telco got it very badly wrong in their in their enterprise um, area in their small business area last year and caused huge frustration because they tried to push every customer you couldn't get on the phone and call someone unless you were you know a massive enterprise account you had a dedicated account person that you knew you couldn't get hold of anyone no matter how you tried you could not bring a single person if you had a problem and look we're a small business and you know we've got a, a team that they're all on mobiles etc and when you've got a problem you want to speak to someone to get it rectified you couldn't do it and so they tried too quickly to move to no sales interaction model where they should have been using a more guided one to help coach people through. And, of course, the bot wasn't working properly because you need the AI to, to be able to help develop the chat and everything else, and it just it, it just failed dismally. There's a whole range of other really good examples where companies, and these are various sizes, Mark. These are not necessarily big enterprise organisations, but, you know, those that, moved into, okay, we're all in this situation. How is it you, you've got to keep your supply chain? Like what we saw particularly, organisations needed to secure their supply chain because that supply chain is what kept them going, kept their businesses going. And so they're working with their key suppliers on, you know, what is the best way to do this? And, you know, one of the logistics companies that we work with, they move very, very fast to a model where, okay, do you want to deal just with a person face-to-face or do you want to make it easy and just move on to the platform and just do everything through there? We'll keep an eye on you and literally just spoke with every key client, all major inbound activity and said, how do you want to deal with us? And that was the channel that it went through. And they've come out of it absolutely cracking on top with you know their clients well and truly entrenched Highly competitive market, no, you know, very tight margins in in logistics, you know, extremely tight. But supply chain problems can be massive, so trust is important, and that's the way they approached it, and it just paid off in spades. Right. Is your outreach getting you labeled as a spammer? What once worked in B two B outbound doesn't work anymore. The goalposts have moved, and so must your approach to sales. Sure. You might land the odd conversation or even a reply to an odd cold email, but is it scalable? Will it provide you with enough revenue to hit your yearly goals? Having worked with sales teams all over the world, we see what works and what doesn't. Our new POW coaching program provides sellers with access to the very best training available today. It doesn't matter if you're a team of 50 or a team of one. We have flipped traditional sales training on its head and allow you to learn in your own time and still get the important coaching help that you need. Grab all the details at markmc.com slash pow. How would sellers know whether, outside of communicating with their buyers, whether they're likely to be more guided, more online or more face-to-face? 
is there some clues that they could think of? For example, what I'm thinking about is if I find it easy to talk to my clients via telephone and email, but they're reluctant to take a meeting, typically, would that be a good indicator that my model is likely to go to a to a guided model quickly? Is it something as simple as that or is it more? Te- <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, and this is the thing, it's imp- simplicity is key. You, I mean, every, you've got to make everything as simple and easy as you possibly can. And it could be as simple as seeing that type of thing and then reaching out and saying, look, here are the options that we can we can work together. Which which do you prefer? Now, that's easy when you're just dealing with one person, but then you've got buying groups and other things that you need to take into account. And you need to look at all that. And this is where just understanding the customer journey that your clients or potential clients, your your customers take is critical. And it's not something you do, okay, let's map the customer journey once and then let's put it all in place. You've got to constantly be reviewing your customer journey. And a couple of key takeaways from, from this conversation for for listeners, Mark, it is understand your customer's journey. What is the experience? And not only when we talk about customer experiences in you bought the product and you want to know what that experience is like in using it, it's actually the sales experience, the buying experience. How was it? Was it easy? Was it difficult? What were the touch points? What were the constraints? Where did we make it hard and where did we make it easy? And is this the type of journey, is this the type of experience that you want with us moving forward? But what does that actually look like? And you've really got to constantly be doing this. Look, there are organisations that will get uh, focus groups together, their customers, and actually talk through, you know, as groups, how do you like to interact, what works with other businesses that you interact with, et cetera. Others will do one-on-one. There's qualitative assessments that you can do and there's this quantitative assessments that you can do but the key message is you should never stop doing it you should never ever stop mapping your customer's experience and it is from contact all the way through into delivery you should not be looking at customer experience as in experiencing the product it's about experiencing the organization the sales process the marketing process all those types of things are so important that's pretty interesting. So what about on the sales side? So if, if I'm a salesperson, what sort of things do I need to do or change or, you know, like what are the impacts for me as a salesperson? So we're seeing that you're saying that seeing this change, it's coming whether we like it or not. Okay. Let's accept that on face value. What does Mark the sales dude? <laughs> you know, what do I need to change? What do I need to be doing? <laughs> it's really important. So, you know, sales is this is an inflection point where we're going to see a massive change in sales and the, and the approach that people take and the, the skill they need to have, the capabilities and so forth that they need to have because you need to be able to corpus in and out of these channels. You need to be able to deal with the customer in a hybrid situation, in a face-to-face situation, in a self-guided situation. You have got to the sell, the seller of the future is this a very strong hybrid individual who is you know really really aligned to the way that their customers want to buy from them and interact i think you cannot you've just got to get as knowledgeable and understanding of your client their market their pressures that they're under impacts that they're under you know what's going on there that's impacting their business and be able to work with them through that and make it as easy as you possibly can 
it was complexity kills deals. I mean, you know, one of the things that we apply is what we call the theory of constraints on projects and we look at both the buying process, so mapping the customer journeys, we look at the sales process, we look at the steps that go into all those. You look at the points where the friction is created and you remove the constraints. And it is all about, you know, how do I make it easy to buy us and how do I make it easy to sell us? And when you have those right in your your mind, then you'll be really moving to that level that you need to be in, in in a very challenging environment that we're in, that we're up against. So tactically, does that look like being things like being able to navigate Teams, Zoom, Google Meets, you know, effectively, quickly, some of that basic stuff, as well as, you know, being adept at fairly simple, or maybe even it's more complex, you know, helping people through websites, navigation, and that sort of thing. Is, is that the tactics that we need to be better at? And, and I'm asking this because I can think now of like quite a few people that I regularly train that they say to me, I'm more of a face-to-face kind of guy. And it's nearly always a guy, by the way, that says that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm thinking, well, now that you're having this conversation, I think, well, those people might be in a bit of trouble. Is that the tactics or is there something else as well? Oh, look, I think there's a whole comp, there's, there's, you know, three lenses that you should look at that, Mark. There's the, the tool set, the skill set and the mindset. So the tool set is, you know, you've got to be able to use video conferencing. It doesn't matter which platform it is, whether it's Zoom, whether it's Zencast, whether it's Teams doesn't matter what it is and you've got to be able to use it effectively on your mobile device as well as on your desktop device you have got to be you know dial in early you need to make sure you've rehearsed just as much as you would in a face-to-face sales call you've done your homework you've you've thought about what you want out of this meeting because we all get no matter what we are all absolutely exhausted by zoom calls uh, you know, they just are hard work you don't sometimes you don't have a break in between you don't have to walk to one building to another or you know another floor to another it's all just boom 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 and so you've got to understand the pressures that of the people that are you've got there what they're under but if you don't create value in those conversations i mean you can see the people on these calls if you're with a group of people a buyer group of buyers you know someone's clearly on their phone looking at instagram Someone else is getting the COVID updates from today. Yeah, there's just this different level of interest and you've got to be able to, again, understand who's doing what and how you bring them into the conversation. But in a way that, yeah, so you've got to, done your homework, you've got to create, as we always talk about creating value in these calls. You've just got to be able to deliver value and that gives you the right to move on to the next bit. So you've got to have that, that competency around the tool set and you've got to be able to use it in a way, you've got to be able to do breakout rooms, all these different things. You've got to know this technology right down as to its to its base level to be able to make sure you get the most out of it. Because we all lose, you know, we've been on those calls where you lose the first 10, 15 minutes because someone can't do something, something's not working or can't hear, all that type of stuff. And so there's the tool set. The skill set, you know, sort of touched on things there around creating value and be able to understand you know, make sure you research and plan and prepare for every single call, no matter how simple it might be. You know, it could be even if it's a regular client, whether it's a first client, you've just still got to have your notes, little basic call plan, what I want to get out of this, 
making sure they're clear, setting an agenda through, all those types of bare basic things you've got to do. Yeah, my team know me really well around this, as do my clients. Please don't put a meeting in unless there's an agenda and objective because in some cases, particularly on projects, we've got 20 to 30 people coming in. Sometimes it could be less, but make it clear why they're there and what we're trying to achieve out of it. And also you can't, you know, the days of, you know, we've in some cases learned this the hard way where you'd be doing full-day strategy workshops under bits and pieces. You can't do that anymore. You've got to break it down into two-hour blocks at most and run them over a week. So, But how do you keep, how do you make sure you keep the flow going over that week um, as opposed to a day is very, very difficult. So you've got to, you've got to really rethink your, your approach to these type of things. Um, mm. um, and, and then there's the mindset piece is understand your customer, understand your client, you know, and be thinking about what do I need to do? What do I need to bring to the table to deliver value and work with this client and, and get to a solution and an outcome that's going to be beneficial for, for both? So there's those, those three buckets that we always look at is the, the full set skill set and the mindset. Um, the skill set piece and these are, I think there's got to be a lot of reskilling going on, Mark. I think there's, you know, there, there's no doubt in all the projects we're in and we don't, you know, we, we, we have others that we work with around that skill set piece and the capability. Um, uh, there is no doubt that is the, the biggest fundamental challenge at the moment is getting people uh, upskilled and skilled appropriately for what's going on because it's just not happening. Um, when it is happening, it's not happening fast enough and it's not being effective in a lot of cases as well. Um, but it is a significant shift that, that needs to be addressed. Um, those organisations that we see that have this really strong coaching culture, uh, in fact, you know, are really pivoting around the coaching. Um, that are, you know, training for the pressing needs um, and tailoring those learning journeys for their teams, that is where the difference has been. You know, we're seeing a lot of difference um, uh, appearing. And when it's not being dealt with, um, it just makes life a lot harder. And, you know, with those things, we see high turnover, big churn rates, all those types of things that we, um, we see. Yeah. So, so I'm still surprised at how bad most salespeople are at Zoom. You know, like, I mean, we all must have been on hundreds of the things by now, but, you know, it's poor lighting, poor sound, poor, poor physical presentation, poor engagement, you know, and, and you, think, oh. you know, um, you know, and it's, it goes, you know, it goes so much further than whether you're allowed to wear a hoodie or a t-shirt. Um, you know, I don't think anybody actually cares about that anymore, but you know, if you can't, <laughs> present you know if you can't hold a conversation if you can't bring some value to your point why would people come back and have another conversation in the future so yeah you know i I think you're absolutely dialed in before i let you go um what do you think if we zoom out a little bit what do you think the sales force itself looks like when when you know let's jump forward a couple of years and and this is more embedded across all of the the b2b industry what do you think the sales force looks like have you got some thoughts around that um, yeah, look, there's there's no doubt, Mark, it'll be leaner. Um, you know, as technology, the, the advancements continue to come through and, you know, there's this transition 
across a lot of industries onto more digital e-commerce platforms, we'll, we will definitely see um, leaner sales forces. It doesn't mean that, you know, headcounts will be reduced, although, the, you know, there's definitely, there, there has been a trend um, in that, that is for sure, uh, over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, but we'll see, you know, a, a very much a, a strong, this, as we were talking about, this strong hybrid model of people that are able to pop us in and out of different channels um, and support their customers in, in different ways. Uh, we'll definitely see, you know, we, well, I really want to see, I hope we see these, these strong sales teams that have, um, you know, a good understanding of analytics. The, you know, the data that's going to be available to people is, is going to be phenomenal. Um, you know, we're already seeing that. I think, um, you know, Mark, when you and I first met years and years ago, um, uh, a lot of the work that the company I was working with at the moment was around pre- predictive analytics in sales. And, you know, that is just in the last five or six years that we've been working on that and with some of those um, tools, we have just seen stuff come to just leaps and bounds um, in the way that, uh, AI and predictive analytics is now becoming more prescriptive analytics and actually really helping um, describe the next steps. Uh, definitely, you know, customer centricity is just going to be, you know, I know we've, we've talked about this for years about how important it is. I, I'm, it's, it is just paramount. You know, understanding that journey um, that they go on um, is going to be critical. They've got to be absolutely uh Competent with all types of technology, um, and you know they've they've got to be these these digital enablers. They've got to be able to use the the, the tools that they have and bring those to the table. You know they'll they'll be price they'll be types of pricing tools, scoring tools, predictive analytics, all these type of things that you need to be able to use um, and use well. Uh, I mean we've all got these stories where you get a phone call from someone. Push it down, load it a white paper or whatever, and then people start talking to you about something else, and you go, "Well, hang on, you're clearly <laughs> not looking at the technology that you've got um, and the digital touch points that I've already had, um, of which should be able to tell you whether I'm an interested buyer or not." Um, yeah, these are the types of things that people need to be absolutely uh, afraid with. But I always come back to this, understand your customer, map your customer journey and understand it, you know, really understand what those touch points are and that's what salespeople, um, you know, the the seller down the track needs to be absolutely going home. Yep. So, you know, I was actually a little bit scared when we started this conversation. I thought, oh, this is going to take me out of my comfort zone. But having talked through that, I'm actually not that scared. I feel like... You know, whilst there's still lots of room for involve, uh, improvement across various areas of the sales force, that if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking about myself, I think I can handle that stuff. You know, and and, and I can get there with a bit of, you know, a bit of application um, and a bit bit of tech tools. So that's pretty. That, that's good to know. Like I feel a bit a bit more confident about that. So with this whole change on the way. Sorry. I think yeah, um, a lot of people get nervous with change, mate. There's no doubt about it. But I think um, you know, you've, it's something that everyone always needs to embrace. But I agree with you. It's not it, it's not daunting that daunting. Um, and you know, you you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah, but just don't let don't be left behind, listeners. Don't be left. You know, put the work no. in now so that you're not scrambling. Um, so 
Adam, great insights. So what if somebody wants to get a bit more of Adam? Like can people connect with you? Can they read? How do we do that? Oh, look, I'd love to, mate. Yeah, please reach out on LinkedIn. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of publications that I've got there also on the Julian Midwinter and Associates site. Um, we've got some podcasts and a lot of other resources that, that uh, people can read. But um, I think, you know, LinkedIn's probably the – the, uh, or email, you'll have my details. But um, yeah, please ping me on LinkedIn and happy to you know share a whole range of insights and um, information that might be able to assist you and answer a couple of questions or queries that you might have. Okay, so I'll, I'll stick links to those in the show notes so people can find them really easy. Adam, thanks for coming on the Boss Podcast. Thank you so much, Mark. Great to talk and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Would you like an electronic copy of Tactical Pipeline Growth sent directly to you for free? You see, I need a little help and I'm prepared to swap you for it. All you have to do is leave us an honest review on Apple Podcast as it would really help other listeners to find us and it helps us find more great guests in the future. And of course, the better the guests, the better the sales strategies that we get. The good news is it'll only take you about 60 seconds to do and you can probably access the review function directly from the device you're using right now to listen to us. I'd really appreciate it. Simply leave us a review and then screenshot that and send it to me either via DM on LinkedIn or directly through my email and I'll send you a copy of the book straight away. So that's it for this show. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.